All right, so we're here talking uh, one of our favorite topics, which is sort of adoption, foster care, say families, all of this stuff. And that's something like we really, really enjoy talking to other people about, right? Yes. So one of the many hats that we get to wear um, as being a part of the replanted community is we get to go to other conferences to share about replanted. And so it's really nice to meet other families, single people, you know, other ministry leaders, and just talk about whether, you know, they're on the journey or they want to learn more. And it's just a great opportunity to share story and that sort of thing. And so um, I think also because of that experience, we're aware of, uh, how would you say? I I think there's maybe a lot of misunderstanding good out there about yes. about like the differences and the roles that each of those things play because they play very different roles correct uh, all three of those that we mentioned you know um and i think there's a lot of over like people think that like hey i'm i'm fostering to this end and that's not necessarily like a good end or the the proper end or you know yes or maybe their motivation for adoption is right something so yeah, we just thought it might be something that might be interesting to talk about here at the magic table. Yeah. Uh it's some yeah, we get to talk about it a lot and something we haven't talked about as much on on this uh podcast. We did talk about uh trauma informed parenting, which I'll put that in the show notes if you want to jump back to that one. Uh that was a uh a good episode about adoption and you know yeah foster care and all that about it yeah yeah. so uh but so maybe where where's a good jumping off point i think safe families okay because to me safe families is like if you want to dip your toe in the water potentially yeah um because the role in theory of safe families is for you to step in to provide a safe home but it's before a child has been removed from that home. Maybe it's a parent that needs to go to, you know, a rehab facility for 30 days, but they don't have childcare to do that. And so a program like Safe Families, you know, allows that child to go to a safe home that has been approved um, so that a parent could go to rehab or um, maybe needs a medical procedure. Yeah. Or maybe they need to take some sort of like course or class or something so that they don't lose custody of their child and the child doesn't end up in foster care. Or even work out of town for a period of time. I've, you know, trainings or something overseas or, you know, something like that. Different things. And so it is a really, um, in theory, like a smaller commitment typically, you know, or sometimes it's just like respite for a parent or they need to do something short term. I mean, we've had friends that have had safe family placements that are less than 48 hours. We also have had friends with, you know, safe family placements that turn into other things and are much longer. But in theory, safe families is kind of a shorter term placement and it is before a child has been removed from a home and put into care. Yeah. And right. I, and it like kind of, I mean, in some ways it keeps kids from having to go into the foster care system a lot of times. Like it's, you know, it can be before all that sort of takes place. Right. Right. And it's an opportunity sometimes for a family to get 
greater education or resources together so that their child doesn't have to go into care. And so um, I think it's it's a newer program in the scheme of, you know, foster care right. and adoption and all of those things. And I think because of that, people don't talk about it as much. Um, and I think families who are opening their homes to kiddos in these scenarios, you know, it's worth acknowledging that this is a a role people can play and um yeah, another program that's available if maybe thinking foster care or adoption is not necessarily your journey. Yeah. So uh, what about what about foster care then? What how would you sort of distinguish that, I guess? So we have like a giant big old fat soapbox about foster care. That's true. <laughs> um because often when we're at conferences, people will tell us oh, we're considering foster care because we want to adopt. It's kind of expensive. And so we want to foster to adopt. Right. Now, I do, we do know and understand there are programs that are foster to adopt. It's a, it's a specific program that Not in Illinois. entered into. Well, I mean, even in most states, there are kids who are legally, who are free, legally free right? in the foster right. care system that are up for adoption. Right. But there are states like I know Texas has a foster to adopt program. Um, and so there is this mindset for a lot of people that foster care is cheap adoption. Right. And why we feel so strongly about that is the goal of foster care is reunification. Always. Always. Unless you're in a specific program where the child is already legally free. not legally free and up for adoption. Yes. yes. And so what and why that distinction is really important is um we have heard so many horror stories of foster parents trying to manipulate scenarios so that they could adopt children, right. whether it's being disruptive of visiting, whether it is um, planting ideas in a child's head about their parents, about what would be best for them. Um, and it's it's really sad to think that homes where kids are being taken in to be cared for while their parents are often fighting to get them back, that foster families are potentially fighting against that um, to keep a child in their home. And so I think part of this, um, the whole process, whatever you're choosing, whether that's safe families um, or foster or adoption, you are, have to often be checking your own heart right. uh, and spirit about what is motivating you for this. And I think so often we meet really, really well-meaning people. And we, if you've listened to these episodes, you know we were those people who thought, what a gift that we could we could step in and Aren't give. are we amazing? <laughs> right? A yeah. child, a loving and safe home. And the reality is like, yes, we do have the ability to give that thing to a child or children. And... We aren't the savior. Right. While, you know, children would have a different experience in, you know, maybe their home 
with their birth parents versus foster or adoptive parents, it's pretty gutsy to say that whatever you can provide is better. Right. Um, and it, it probably looks different than what would be provided to them, but it's not necessarily better. And so I think just knowing and understanding that like, if you want to pursue foster care, like, are you ready to return a child to a home that you might not think is safe or you might not think is the best choice? And are you going to work your booty off to, you know, support visits, to support birth parents, to support, you know, your caseworker in this process of getting a kid back to a home that you may think is less than ideal. And so honestly, I think, right, adoption is hard. Foster care is hard too. But I think it's a really unique hard that you are loving a kiddo in your home like your own to one day hopefully return them to their birth parents. And um, I think it takes... I don't know. Our friends in foster care would just say like it it does break you and returning those kids, you know, to their parents after you've they've been a part of your their family for years is really challenging and it's really meaningful work and that, you know, they're glad mostly <laughs> that they've they've chosen to um yeah, do foster care. Right. And just so we're clear, I mean if kids that are legally, you know, free and, and, you know, maybe in those uh, foster to adopt programs are normally kids that are older. Right. And I think a lot of people get into this, like, Hey, I'm going to foster a baby, you know, and I'm going to end up adopting this baby. And that's how I'm going to not have to pay $40,000 to adopt is I'm going to get around this. And, uh, we, it is always better for that child to be with their biological parent, if at all possible. And that's like a really hard thing for me to say. And that's a really hard thing to sort of wrap your mind around, but that's how God intended it. Right. And so to uh, skirt that system that God has put in place and, uh, and, and sabotage those things and maybe try to manipulate your way into having that child stay in your care, um, is is not not doing what we're called to do as Christians in this world for, for sure. sure. And things ha- things happen. We we have very good friends who have adopted, you know, young kids through the foster care system and that that definitely does happen, but you cannot go into it with that mentality or it's going to cause trouble. It right. really is. Is this this feels like a great opportunity to plug an upcoming episode of someone who's aged out of the foster care system. Cause I think that brings up a great point of like, there's this desirable for little kids. There's a desire for babies. Um, and I think the reality is there's a lot of kids who will age out of the foster care system that are never, um, adopted. And I think it takes a really unique individual to open their home to a teenager from a hard place who's likely had several placements and um, probably has some trauma. And those kiddos no, need definitely home has some Def- trauma. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the, that we could be, sh- and that's another piece to this. If you're going to step into to caring for kids in any of these systems, you have to be willing to be trained into how to uh, 
how to care for these children in trauma informed ways. Those aren't just like we're like fancy words throw around any kid involved in any of these systems has some form of trauma. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's just what it is. And if you're not willing to sort of like, you know, step into that with them, then it, it's going to be a, a hard ride for all of you, I think. Yes. Yeah. So if you're listening and thinking like, wow, we're only 10 minutes in and they're like already Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to any, like, this is what happens often when Karina are at these conferences. And I think part of it, we think we're more probably more gracious than <laughs> what maybe we just conveyed. But I think part of it is it's also really important for people to know what they're signing up for. You have to be educated on this stuff. Yeah. And I think so often we um we meet people who have on very thick rose colored glasses. And while you don't want to like destroy all their hope and joy about these experiences, there needs to be some real realistic conversation about what's this journey actually going to look like? What is your family's end goal? Where are you at emotionally, mentally, spiritually? Have you dealt with your own stuff? Have like, you dealt with big, your own <laughs> That's stuff. a big question for just like being in a relationship with anyone, for parenting in general, but even more so for parenting kids from hard, hard places. places. And I I think, I mean, we, we can laugh about it because I think we've dealt with a lot of our own stuff. Had to. Yes, because yeah. of this journey. Um, but we meet a lot of people that that has not been their experience. And um, so we've... We always feel really thankful that we get to be a kind, hopefully gentle voice saying like, this is really exciting. Here's some things we'd like to share. Here's some resources that would be available to support you. Um, always, always from a place of support. But um, I think it's really important if you were going to make a, a decision, especially like adoption, that literally changes your family's makeup for the rest of your lives. Yep. Like you need to be aware of right. what you're signing up yeah. for. I mean, it's a great time to plug the, I mean, replanted as a free online conference coming up in October uh, that we are helping organize in some ways, but that's a great resource. You can get any sort of training. There's breakouts all over the place. So there's just a lot of uh, good stuff. If you want to like kind of just see what some of this is about and you know, that's a great, that's a great place to start. A great so, place to start. Yeah. So yeah. Is have, that it for foster care? I, yeah. Have we talked through the foster care? Good. I, I just, I want to be clear that like you were a foster care worker Gosh, for, a, yes. for a period of time, right? I mean. Yeah. And we yeah. have dear friends who, you know, did that much longer than yeah. I was capable of. Maybe we should just talk about like what foster care yeah, even I think that's good. is. Yeah. Um, so basically there are so many places that a DCFS report um, that's what it is in Illinois, Child Protective Services, whatever it is in your state, where people can make reports. And so basically a teacher, a social worker, a pastor, any usually teachers and I mean, neighbor, that's the, that's the yeah, you know, biggest. can make a um, report and then DCFS investigates. And so the, the report is either founded or unfounded. Either they find enough evidence to support that there was abuse or neglect or there's not. And if those whatever 
criteria is present, the children are removed from the home and either go to a relative caregiver or um, a foster care home. And so, and then it's like a long court thing of, you know, their requirements set for parents and court hearings checking in. Are parents doing the things that are asked of them to regain custody of their children? All the while, usually, you know, there's a caseworker or a foster parent who's making visitation possible so that kiddos are able to see their parents while they're in foster care. Um, I, I think my soapbox is when people talk about that, you know, people do foster care for the money. And let me just tell you, <laughs> nobody's doing foster care for the money. Uh, when when I was a foster care caseworker, I was the intake worker. So I would, uh, I had the horrible job of uh, meeting caseworkers from DCFS and um, either meeting the child at the home or sometimes taking them to the home myself and often feeling embarrassed going over the paperwork while the foster parent knew what they were, you know, getting, um, you know, for a licensed foster home. It's a few hundred bucks to take in an additional child. And if you are a parent, you know that a couple hundred books bucks isn't going to feed and clothe, you know, an extra, an extra human, let alone if they're in diapers or need formula or all of those things. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of people working in theory, foster care is broken, like every other system is broken, but in a perfect world, you have a judge who's holding parents accountable. You have parents who have access to resources so that they can get the education or the training or the help, whether mental health or substance abuse, to gain custody of their children back. Um, you know, and you've got a social worker who's busting their butt more hours a week than is and appropriate. They get paid nothing. No money. Yeah. Um to support the foster family and the birth parents and the kiddos on this journey that so often is showing up to a court date where you're expecting a change only to hear that something wasn't filed or something wasn't done and it's continued for weeks um on end. It's um you know, it's really I think so often we talk about the kiddos and how hard it must be to be in a different home and then what's it like to only see your parents once or twice a week. Um, we don't often talk about birth parents in foster care or adoption and just, you know, how hard some of these birth parents really work to get their kids back. And they're dealing with their own drama histories. I yeah. mean, there needs, their pe- birth parents are people. Yeah. Right. And they they deserve dignity and respect. Respect. Absolutely. And I think in uh, well, I think in all of these systems, birth parents are so often victimized. Um, But I think in foster care, we don't we don't really think about birth parents. And so there's just in a perfect world, a lot of people who are working towards this reunification goal and making sure that not only is the foster care system safe, that a child's needs are being met, but that a parent is able to get all that they need in order to have the kids return home. And so, um, you know, it's often a longer process than is ideal for any party involved. And, um, 
And I think it's really beautiful when the system works together and is able to help kiddos return home. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's maybe jump into adoption, which is our family story, even though you've worked in all of these, you know, in these systems, adoptions, our family story and the, yeah. the route that we decided to, to take through all this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing about adoption is, um, if you want to grow your family through a, through having an infant come into, to your home, I mean, that, that is the way to do it. And right. Well, and domestically domestic. Yeah. Right. And most programs, you know, that are international, you're looking at adopting an older child. Um, but yes, people who are looking for an infant adoption usually choose domestic. Right. And even international can get really, really tricky because, you know, different, uh, countries have different, uh, statute, like different uh, ways that hoops you have to jump through essentially. And they have, you know, different costs and they open and they close sometimes. Yes. And I mean, sometimes they're really sketchy. Yeah, and so, right. I mean, like, and also when you're thinking and praying for all the ways that COVID is impacting the world, like be th- like, if the Lord convicts you, like, be praying for people who are in international adoption processes that are matched with babies that they can't bring home because COVID does not allow travel. Um, We have friends who were actually stuck in their country. (laughs) They, they flew to adopt and then got stuck there because of COVID. And so their short process ended up being much longer, but they were able to come home. Um, But there are many, many, many families who are matched and waiting for travel. Um, And even our agency, I saw like a, they share profiles and I saw a family shared and just thinking like waiting during COVID has to be the worst. Waiting and adoption sucks. But waiting <laughs> during COVID, I think, is just horrible. So, I mean, like, really, I pray for those families and those kiddos who are remaining in orphanages or foster homes because their family can't travel to bring them home. Like, yeah. That is heartbreaking to me. Yeah. So I would say international adoption is a thing. It is not something we know much about. Yeah. We, we know people who have been down that road. We were actually in the process of adopting from Ethiopia when uh, we got pregnant with our first child. And so we dipped our toe into international adoption, but we're far more familiar with domestic Domestic adoption. adoption. And that's what most of our close friends have done as well. So we journeyed with a lot of people through domestic adoption experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think adoption is the thing that most people are familiar with. I think the beauty of adoption kind of, growing and morphing over the years is that we've realized um, closed adoptions aren't healthy for kiddos. And so open is now the standard. Um, And I think that freaks people out. Again, I would say we were those people. (laughs) Totally. Right. But as you kind of learn and grow, you realize like that's what's best for kiddos. It's, it's really, um, and there's a lot of research that you can do that talks about kids actually do better. I don't have 
quantifiers for that, but um, do better if they have some knowledge of their birth family. And so um, as we kind of present at conferences and, and talk to people, we just, it's a joy to get to share about the beauty of openness. And so, yeah. I think I think closed adoptions, though, allowed people to sort of forget about the birth parents like it was easy to like hey we don't know anything about them they could be these other like n- almost non-existent people yeah you know what i mean and again dehumanizing i think uh, a part of your child's story which right. is their birth parents and like it or not i'm sh- you know whether you think that they made good decisions or bad decisions whatever you think of them they're still people you know mm-hmm. and they're still a part of your your child's life and that's something you have to wrap your mind around for all yeah. of this and and give space for yeah, your kiddo totally. to wrap their mind that's around stuff um and so i think so often when we talk to other families who've adopted are are feeling nervous about that piece you know just getting to share like it's actually going to be better for your kid and it's going to be harder for you because you're welcoming another human or another family into your family that's not going to operate the same way likely that your family does that needs a different level of preparation and so um i think adoption you know has changed a bit in that I mean, even when we brought Britain home, people would say like, well, is he actually, you know, what if the parents come back? And just like, like there have been stories and scenarios in the past where things happen, but like really now in adoption, like legally after you go to court, there's no coming back. There's no, and I I think that scares people. And it's like, no, the, the court has taken action. They've learned from these other stories that didn't play out well and and this is you know finalized it's legal yeah i think we should also talk about i I think one of the things that we've come across a lot from parents who've adopted especially domestically especially infants right there's a lot of parents that are like in the room you know when the baby's born and think that because they take that child home from the hospital that there's no trauma, that there's, they're not going to experience any of those effects. And, uh, that, that sentiment could not be more wrong, right? If your child, uh, is adopted, there is a trauma history there that has to be understood and given space for, and we would say parented differently. Yes. And, and just to acknowledge, I think people for whatever reason, it makes people really uncomfortable when I talk about like Britain's story or just acknowledge that there's trauma or, and I think people like to gloss over that they do. because yeah. it's a lot easier. It makes people feel uncomfortable. And <laughs> right. I'm like, it's totally fine. Like this is part of his story yeah. and we intentionally parent him in a different way because we're acknowledging from the very beginning he's experienced trauma and our hope is that we're parenting in a way that speaks to that part of him. Um, And all of this, I feel like every time we do these (laughs) things, I give caveats, but like all of this comes from a place of like, we don't have it figured out. We're not doing it the best. It comes from a place of, we have had some really incredible people around us who have said like, these are some things you need to know. 
These are the trainings you need to go to. This is an awareness that you need to have. And we've seen change in our kiddos because of that. And so we're still learning. We joke all the time. You know, we teach this parenting class and like our worst weeks of parenting are literally the the weeks that we're going to end up teaching on Friday because, you know, that's how life works. But we are such advocates for all of the things that we talk about because we've we've worked with so many families and we've seen this stuff work and we've just seen that you know shutting your kid's story down isn't healthy for them nope. or for you nope and we believe in healthy and whole families and yeah. so um yeah just think it's really important to kind of just put that out there yeah i think that's a disclaimer good. i think may so i i have felt a little debbie downer this whole time you know what i mean like but i i think I want to I want to leave people with uh there is beauty and there is brokenness at the same time when you're caring for kids who've come from hard places, right? Yeah. And so uh if you're going to get into uh orphan care uh in if, any capacity in any, any capacity and in, in in foster care if you're going to get into any of this stuff um working with children who've who've experienced hard things, you're gonna walk into beauty amazing beauty and you're going to walk into just utter brokenness and at the same time and you have to be willing to hold those two things together in tension at the same time and allow your kiddo to do the same yeah and there is so much beauty y'all going to a uh replanted which is where a bunch of small groups meet for foster and adoptive families going to a replanted night is beautiful there's kids of of all different uh cultures yeah cultures and and yeah there's just it's beautiful that these kids uh are being brought in by people who love them and there's such beauty and they're there because of brokenness and to like not acknowledge that doesn't do anybody a favor so yeah i think there's it's an, it's incredible in both ways and you have to be uh healthy and whole enough to be able to hold those two things in tension at the same time and that's that's the call you know? yeah and it's hard yeah so um one thing we always say though in all of this is that no matter you know even if you're not called to foster and adopt you can do something mm-hmm. and you can and you should uh because uh these families need help uh, they need people surrounding them that can help them. Uh, I'm going to just start n- naming resources. Uh, there's a book <laughs> by our friend Jen who also runs Replanted called uh, Replanted. Planted. And uh, that's an amazing resource for just how churches can can gather around foster and adoptive families and, and love on them. There's the Replanted Conference coming up in October. I talked about free registration. There are Replanted small groups, which are still happening even in covid uh, depending on where you are across the mm-hmm. country that you can jump into. So what I think is important to note about the conference is that even if you aren't a foster or adoptive family, but you spend a lot of time with foster and adoptive families and you want to know how to better love and serve them and their kiddos, educate yourself. Right. Go to the free conference. Um, it was really cool. Like my parents came to the conference last year. And even getting to see, like, it's things that that we know or have experienced, but it was so cool to, like, sit with them after 
like a day at the conference and be like, you guys, these are the things that we learned. Um, And just like, I think having that experience and being like, it just felt really cool to be supported in that way. And so I think if there are people around you who either, who have fostered or adopted or are like it's a great way to grow your knowledge if you work with kiddos like if you serve in a church ministry in kids ministry in the nursery like get yourself to the conference be trauma informed yeah Yeah. and learn and learn some things and so i think all those things are important there's also you should link to gwen and susan's episodes and just talk about There's a, like a lot of agencies. Those are both um, Austin Angels and Amarillo Agen- Angels. A way that you can, you know, come around foster families and support them. And a lot of it's like really simple, like reading with their kiddo or bringing them a meal. I will tell you, like, especially on our hard days, some, you know, sometimes we got no's. We'd have our profile shown you're so hopeful that maybe this is the time you're going to be picked. And, um, and then you get a no again. And like by the 12th one, you're just over the whole experience of adoption. And, you know, it was the friends who said, we'll be there at five 30 with dinner. Not what can we do? Right. You know, and sometimes you, you do need to ask what would be helpful. How can I help you on this journey? Do you need respite? Like, are your, are your kids losing their minds because of some of their trauma and you just need to go away for two hours and I'm going to stay here and be that safe place for them. And sometimes it's dropping off dinner and not saying like, what would be helpful? It's just doing. Um, Also ain't nobody ever going to say no to a Uber (laughs) Eats gift card. So just just do it. Yes to that. But I think, what has been hard for us on this journey is we were really loved and supported on every, every step of the way. And, um, we talked to other families that that has just not been their experience, which is heartbreaking to me. And so, you know, if you have families that are made up through any of these avenues, like doing some investigating, like what would be helpful to that family? And, and sometimes it's something like, could I mow their yard every couple of weeks so the dad can be more present with his kiddos? Could I bring dinner? Could I provide respite? Could I, you know, groceries, whatever the things are. But there are so many ways to love and serve. And we have been recipients of that. And we know that that is not how everyone is loved and celebrated. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So many great resources out there. Let us know. I mean, if you can't find one of these or like have other questions or something, we love talking about this stuff. So let us know. Uh, yeah. Right. And Mm -hmm. it does all feel a little Debbie Downer again. And like, also it's the best decision like we ever made. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think being informed as you jump into this is, is important. It, uh, yeah. And it, it changed yeah. our journey it did. because yeah. our journey took forever in a day. We had more time to get informed. And while it was not great at the time, it was such a huge blessing to yep. our family. That's exactly right. Um, and so 
we hope that we are a place that provides that same support and education and encouragement to other families who are pursuing um, growing their family in these ways. Awesome. Once again, we uh, covered it all. So Covered it all. And perfect. I only like, I didn't like lose it, cry. I just got like teary-eyed 19 <laughs> like, times. Yeah, there was, there was a few, but <laughs> hey, that's good. It's but good. we care deeply about this. True. So for real, if you have questions, we'd love to chat. Yeah. Thanks for hanging, y'all. The Magic Table. <laughs> <laughs>